This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. With this added blanket tension of a pandemic, everything feels amplified, intensified. And so keeping that in mind, first with ourselves, that we can be patient with ourselves as we experience this very intense, essentially global trauma, to add an extra layer of patience for our own emotional journey, that allows us to extend that patience to other humans as well. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn about the importance of vitamin K2D3. We'll find out how yoga helps with emotional agility. We'll talk about spring eating. And lastly, we'll discuss fitness goals in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. But first, a little bit of business. You're a genuine health enthusiast listening to this show today. And Activation Products is your dream come true when it comes to living in a perfectly healthy body. Reclaim your health, cleanse your body, and extend your life. Activation makes all this possible by providing you with the best products for your best health. Activation Products can elevate your whole body's health in ways you had no idea were possible. No matter how old or how young you are, it's their mission to deliver to you the most efficacious health products available in the world today. Treat yourself now and find out what it's like to live in a perfectly healthy body, making every day a joy to be alive. Go to activationproducts.com and start your journey on reclaiming your health. Ian Clark is the founder of Activation Products. When Ian faced life-threatening illness in 2004, he started a journey of natural healing that finally resulted in speed healing all of his health issues, ensuring a very long and healthy life. These discoveries are now being shared with millions of individuals to enjoy their own journey towards health freedom. Welcome back to the show, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Jamie. It's a pleasure to be here and connect with your tonic following. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about a hot topic, and that is vitamin K2 with D3. So what is K2D3? Well, K2D3 is a vitamin combination, and it's a very specific Type, and it has a major amount of scientific studies behind it that brought that combination to reality. Okay. And I understand you have your own brand of that combination. So what's unique about the K2D3 that you're putting out? Well, it's the uniqueness is it's the very top level of the type and form. Okay. And, you know, because you can go and get K2 vitamins and D2, D3, whatever, you can get them all out there. So the point is, is when you're investing time, energy, and money into anything you're doing for your health, you have to, first of all, determine priority, and second of all, determine, you know, your must-have, and what is the quantity and the quality of the product you're buying. So when it comes to K2 and D3, you have to add something in there. It's called MK7. Okay. So K2, MK7, and D3 combination is the most important thing. And it is, what is it derived from? For example, our D3 is not derived from sheep's wool oil, because that's what most D3 out there is. They take sheep's wool and then squeeze the oil out of it, make D3. Hmm. Ours is a vegetarian-based vegan from lichen. Lichen you'll find growing on rocks all over Ontario, for example. Mm-hmm. But they specifically harvest lichen in certified organic environment. So we have a certified organic 
vitamin D3 that is vegan, vegetarian, mm-hmm. and has just a super purity to it. And on the K2 MK7 side, that is derived from just years and years of scientific research on bioavailability, which is called trans. Mm-hmm. So it's able to transfer into the cell very readily. Most K2 vitamins on the market are cysts. And then you're also going to look at half-life. Okay. So a lot of times people don't know what half-life means, but just to give you a quick description of that, mm-hmm. if you take anything into your body, a supplement, for example, the half-life means how long is it until it's half as effective in your system as when you took it. Mm-hmm. So your hope is, is that when you take anything, it has the full efficacy. It has to be sitting around in a bottle going bad for a long time right. or losing its efficacy. And then when you do take it, so that half-life, you want to have it around 72 hours. And the reason for that, that's three days, yep. is because you want the every day you take your vitamin, which is, this is a must-have day-to-day vitamin. Oh, that was going to be my next question. So this is a daily dosage then, correct? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, in different countries, they have different dosages. Yeah. But, you know, you just take the RDA as 1,000 IU of, of D3, and then the k 2 mk 7 you, you can take as much as you like, but you don't need large amounts. No, I, under, I understand that you can almost have trace amounts and it's effective. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, the uniqueness goes back to the where does it come from, how is it made, and what is the half-life? So ours are 72-hour half-life versus normally vitamins are at best three hours. Mm-hmm. So think about three hours. You have to take your a vitamin every few hours to just maintain enough in your body to be happy. And that sets us apart significantly. Okay. From other products on the market. Okay. So one could take vitamin D3 and one could take the K2 MK7 separately or one or the other. But why is it more effective to take them both together? Well, because people don't realize how important the, the combination it is. So D3 goes in and helps your body assimilate calcium from food or milk or, you know, wherever anything has calcium in it. That's why they put D3 into milk all the time. Right. Well, the issue with that is that your body doesn't automatically position the calcium where it should be, which is in the bones primarily. And so the calcium will often go into the cardiovascular system or into joints where you don't want them. So the K2MK7 works in conjunction with the D3 to ensure the proper transport of calcium exactly where you want it into your bones. So for bone density, you know, and just think of it's going into your cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. That's hardening of the arteries. Right. It's the last place you want it. You don't want it in your joints. That's where people get arthritic symptoms and things like that. So, yeah, the combination together, they're just buddies, super buddies. And, and you mentioned before, that, you know, obviously I think everybody's aware that usually on the label that vitamin D is in with our milk, but they're not putting the MK7 in with the milk, are they? No, no definitely not. Okay. Well, you know, you might, you might be somebody who will wise up to it and do it, but again, you've got to go back and check the source. Where is it coming from? Right. How is it made? Is it cis or trans? Is it, you know, what is the half-life? Got you it. Know, that's where we guarantee, because, you know, as activation products over the years, we wouldn't touch vitamin supplements, because I had no way to quantify at the time. And I saw everybody else running out with all the things that were trending and selling whatever they could get their hands on. But the problem with that is the people at the end of the day who are really paying for their stuff were not getting value. Mm-hmm. So I refused to go in there just because it was trending. 
So after 15 years of letting everything just settle in and wait and watch, finally I found the top-level companies in the world who do this. And then we were able to confidently go out and make sure we're providing the value, the you know, the perceived value matching and greater than by the received value. Okay. So which organs are most impacted by K2D3? Well, the organs you're looking at are, are primarily, you know, we can call it an organ, but your heart, of course, yeah, which is all involved in your cardiovascular system. And then your, your overall structure, because, and you're also looking at immune system. Mm-hmm. Now, people say immune system lives in the gut. Well, realistically, your immune system is your entire body because you have cells throughout your entire body. You have interstitial fluid throughout your body, which is the fluid that's outside the cell and around the cell. Mm-hmm. And the, the D3 goes in and provides like a shielding. When you have proper amounts of D3, there's the permeability of microbes and things that could possibly infect you or cause disease is greatly diminished when you have proper amounts of D3. So just think of it as a shield in between and around your cells protecting you from unwanted, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned previously that it sort of interacts with calcium metabolization. So let's talk a bit about how K2D3 impacts bone health. Well, yeah, it goes back to the transportation of calcium into the bones. Okay. And, you know, people think, oh, if I drink lots of milk or if I take lots of calcium, no, because often that will definitely go into the wrong place. In fact, for years I was recommending against all calcium supplements and knowing that magnesium is another tie-in, mm-hmm. because magnesium and calcium are also very closely connected, and magnesium helps to transfer and, and transport calcium where it should go, because it marries up with it. You know, if you're low on magnesium, your body starts to release calcium even faster. So even more important to have K2MK7 with the D3 to get those things moved back into where they're supposed to go along with the magnesium. So we've had people get huge results just on joint pain mm-hmm. and fluid movement using our Ease product, which goes in with the calcium. Like I, that was the first thing that happened to me. I had this stiff elbow, and I, I sprayed this Ease magnesium on there, and it was like, hmm, after a minute and a half, that was smooth. But the next day, it came back and was just as bad. So I put it on again, and then after a couple of months of doing that, I noticed it did never hurt again. Right. And I found out that that was actually a transportation thing as well. So this is just really getting the body ultra-efficient at having all the elements in the right place. Okay. And what about the immune system? I think you touched upon it before, but does the K2-D3 support the immune system? Well, it's a huge support. I would say the D3 even more because of the shielding effect. And immunity is something that people really have concentrated on for many decades. You know, people who are in the health space. Today now, because of the pandemic, people are thinking about immunity even more than ever. Yep. And and those yeah, these are things that dynamically support your body's natural ability. Rather than, you know, because you really want to naturally have a strong immune system that can build the antibodies. And you know, it's like when you're a child playing in the mud, you know, having some fun and getting exposed to all this stuff, that built your immune system. Right. So the the more you're exposed to various challenges, the stronger you get. You know, and, and if you're weak and you're exposed to too much challenges, that's where people could even die from infections. So it's very rare for a person to die from an infection, but still it does happen. In fact, I think the death rate's about 17,700 a day for the last 10 years of people dying from lung infections and lung disease alone. So it was a very serious matter 
now that it's being concentrated on in the, in the news media, people are paying a lot closer attention. Okay, so can you sort of elaborate on how K2D3 impacts the cardiovascular system? Okay, well, you know, your heart is the center. Now, every part of your cardiovascular is pulsing. Just like, you, have, you know, you can feel a pulse in your wrist. Well, the fact is you have peristaltic movement throughout your whole system. Every blood vessel is pulsing. So people think, oh, my heart's pumping the blood. Well, that's kind of the central gathering place for the in and out. But your whole system is pulsing. So when you get calcified, you know, the hardening of the arteries, they don't pulse as well. And then people's blood pressures go wacky. There's all kinds of things that happen. Well, that, that hardening of the arteries is calcification. Mm-hmm. So as you go through your life, this is why you, you know, once I found out how important it was, I'm taking it every single day for the rest of my life. As long as I have it available and have money to buy it, I'm taking it. So that is to keep it as a maintenance thing. So you're maintaining. Not only are you getting your cardiovascular system up to a safe level where you're really feeling great, you've got good energy, you're transporting oxygen to all the different parts of your body, you're moving nutrients, you're moving waste out. All those things depend on a healthy cardiovascular. And, you know, for your air you breathe into your lungs, it's got to get transported efficiently immediately. And then the air you breathe out, which is toxic fumes with CO2 in it, you know, from all the doctors, you you breathe like 11,000 liters a day. Did you know that? No, I did not. Totally crazy, right? Yeah. 11,000 liters. So your biggest detoxification organs are your lungs, which all ties into your cardiovascular, of course. And you want to make sure that everything going out gets out and you have a proper flexibility. And, you know, you want elasticity. Just think about an elastic band that gets old and hard. Yep. And then it breaks. That's where people run into all kinds of health problems because it's like the chain is only as strong as this weakest link. And, and just think of your body. What, what, what's happening 24-7? There's two major things. Number one is your breathing. Number two is your heart is pumping blood through your whole system. Yep. Either one of those stops. If you run out of air, that's a pretty intense thing. Yeah, I would say. You're going to feel that immediately. If your heart stops, you faint within eight seconds of your heart stopping. You're, you're fainted. And if you don't get someone at attention to you, in eight minutes, you're dead. Right. So that's why when people, you know, the most common sign of heart disease is a funeral. You know, that, that's the first symptom. Yeah. A lot of people who have other, you know, they're fortunate enough to detect it early before that happens. But, you know, that whole system is, is dependent upon making sure it does not get calcified. And the other thing that's really interesting, uh, you know, on the inside of your large arteries, where you have a lot of blood flow, and that's where people get, a, like, they get plugged up with cholesterol and then they have a heart attack? Yes. That is because the inside of the arteries, they now know, are rough. They get rough when you have calcification buildup. They also get rough if you have any kind of infection you're fighting. So that roughness is what the cholesterol particles, like the small size LDLs, they will catch on there. Mm-hmm. And then if you get a bunch of it coming through, it plugs up and boom, heart attack. Yep. So these are things people have got to educate themselves on and become knowledgeable themselves rather than just counting on everybody else to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. This is a great way to complement this and, and getting the best quality of these, you know, K2MK7 and D3 product together is so wonderful. So I heard you advocate for taking this every day. I presume, like, I know D is not a terribly expensive vitamin, so it should be doable for most people, I would think. I presume the MK7 doesn't take it to be too expensive. Am I right about that? 
Oh, yeah. No, it's excellent. Like the combination, you're going to spend the most like 29 a month. Okay. And that's like a dollar a day. And that, that is going to be one of the very best investments you're going to make. If you go down and buy the cheap stuff, not only are you not getting any value from the product, it just says what is on the bottle K2 or, or D3. You're, you're wasting your time. Because think about time. What is the most valuable thing? Is how you're using your time. If you, if you're actually thinking you're doing something good for yourself when it's not doing anything for you, that is putting you more and more into the danger zone. That's why it's so important to know what you're getting. Don't buy the cheap stuff. Buy the most valuable stuff. It's not about an expense. This is an investment in you. Got it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, will you come back again soon? Well, I'd love to. You know, I always enjoy our conversations and helping people learn more about things that like of this importance. Fantastic. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Looking for natural supplements to boost your immunity? New Roots Herbal can help. Whether it's rebuilding your immunity after an illness or simply maintaining a healthy immune system year-round, New Roots Herbal is here for you with a wide range of proven formulations. Discover Protector, Astralgus 8000, Ultra Zinc, and their best-selling Vitamin C8. If you're looking to build your immunity from within, look no further than New Roots Herbal, available exclusively at your local health food store. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's Unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Our next guest, Jelena De Silva, is a well-certified, passionate yoga teacher. Her love for yoga takes her across the GTA to teach at several studios back when it was cool to do that, and she has multiple clients. Her background in psychology and college athletics infuses her classes with a strong understanding of how mind and body function. Whether leading a large outdoor event like OMTO or a classroom of yogis or in the home of a client or online, her philosophy for teaching is simple. Teach with love, empathy, patience, and humility. Yoga is a journey, not a destination. And for more information about her, you can reach her at jelenayoga.com. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I am doing okay, all things considered. How are you? All things considered, pretty good. (laughs) So we're going to talk about emotional agility, which is a phrase that I'd heard, but I I didn't necessarily know what it meant. And you wrote an article about it for the May-June issue. So let's talk about emotional agility. Yeah, it's a good one. It's one that's kind of in the ether a little bit more these days. And it was coined by Dr. Susan David, who is a brilliant lady who has all of her things from Harvard. That's what matters is Harvard is the most important. And uh, she wrote a book all about emotional agility. And the way that she describes it in its most basic form, it's our ability to be healthy with ourselves, specifically our relationship to our emotions, how we experience them, how we label them, how we let them move through us or not move through us, and how to get better at that is the, the basic definition of emotional agility. Yeah, which is like, you know, 
when the topics come on the show, you know, how does this relate to Jamie? And I could say, you know, I am an emotional person and, and there are moments in my life where I have allowed emotions to sort of overrun or perhaps run amok. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is helpful. I'm sure there's others who feel that way. And maybe during the pandemic, it's actually more relevant. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to hear you say, like, I'm an emotional person. I don't think enough people say I'm an emotional, we're all emotional beings. But the way that we've been taught to deal with our emotions or our reactions to them, or when we do let them kind of flare up, like we don't talk about how to be emotional. You know, right. we, we, we teach kids in school geometry, which comes super in handy when you're having an argument with your spouse. But we don't really talk about <laughs> how to deal with our emotions more effectively. But there is a role for emotions, right? Absolutely. And this is where I love the word that Dr. Susan David uses to describe emotions, which are signposts. What does that mean? They're indicators. So when you feel an emotion rise up, it's telling us something. It's signaling towards something. Another phrase I like to draw upon is emotions are data, not directives. They're giving us information, but it doesn't mean that we necessarily have to act on that information. We can use it to get a better idea of what's going on inside of us. It can be a reaction to things around us and acknowledging that is really helpful so they don't feel like they are overpowering us. So when you say it's data, is it sort of like you regard your emotions as sort of being visceral? In other words, it's an input? Is that it? Yes, it's definitely an input. It's something that is giving you information because if you think about it, emotions are chemical reactions. So it's something being input to the body. It's giving us information as to what's happening in that moment and lets us kind of act accordingly. Okay, so let's talk about acting on our emotions. Is it okay to do that? You know, I was really glad that you were going to ask this question because it was something that I found myself thinking about after having written the article because Mm -hmm. I struggle with this. I tend to go in the direction of like, stuff it down, don't feel it, don't react. Mm -hmm. And so learning to act on our emotions, what does that look like? And for me, I like to kind of redefine the idea of how we act on our emotions. Okay. Because I do think it is important to express feeling. I do think it is important to let people know what's going on inside of us. So when we talk about acting on our emotions, it can be communicating our emotions. So if you're feeling a certain way, being okay with expressing that you're feeling that way. Like, I feel really upset right now. Saying that out loud, that is an action. Learning to write out your emotions, whether it's journaling, learning to work the chemical reaction through the body through movement, whether it's walking, whether it's running, whether it's dancing or just deep breathing, that is acting on the emotion. When it comes to communicating the emotion, to circle back around to that, yeah. in conversation with other people, this is where learning to witness the emotion, pause, breathe, and then decide how you're going to act or speak on that emotion, that's where it becomes a trained, more defined, precise kind of action. I come at it from the other end of the spectrum, whereas, you know, you're a reserved person. That's what I know about you. And, you know, like, for example, Naomi is another example of somebody who's very reserved in her emotions. I come at it from the exact opposite end of the spectrum where I have to actually watch how I allow the emotions to be communicated, right? Because, you know, if I'm not aware of how I'm coming off, you know, I can be a handful and that isn't necessarily what I'm trying to do. You know, it's more, how shall I put this? I want to be precise in my communication because that's how I value, that's where my forte is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it becomes a challenge for me if I can't do it. 
right? So what are some of the ways in which we can effectively communicate our emotions or act on our emotions without allowing them to overwhelm us? Right when you were talking there, I was thinking about how, you know, you were saying that you wanted to be able to communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. The idea that Dr. Susan David also dives into is emotional granularity. Mm -hmm. So when we get better at describing what's happening inside of us, then it gets easier to communicate what's happening inside of us. And to be able to express the contextuality, right? Like, yes, I'm mad, but here's why I'm mad. This is why you see me upset, right? Or this is this is what's making me react, right? Precisely, yeah. And that alone takes skill to be able to say to yourself, oh, I'm upset, but it's not because of this person. It's because this event is reminding me of something that happened before. Right. It's bringing something up from the past that I haven't dealt with and the emotions that are attached to that are coming up right now. So I just need to be able to communicate that. But I think it's important, particularly in the context of COVID, because we are all dealing with so much, right? And we forget it, right? We're all in our little bubbles because that's what we have to do, figuratively and literally, right? And we all think, you know, maybe we're not all thinking, oh, woe is us. But I guarantee you, everybody's dealing with something under the surface. And, you know, we have to really take a step back and say, hey, it's not just us that is, is dealing with something, but, you know, whoever it is we're communicating with is also dealing with something. Yes. Exactly. And I think having that in the forefront of our mind even more, especially these days, is just constantly reminding ourselves, like, we see a tiny sliver of what people are going through. Mm -hmm. We don't see everything else that's happening behind the scenes. And right now, with this added blanket tension of the pandemic, everything feels amplified or intensified. And so keeping that in mind, first with ourselves, that we can be patient with ourselves as we experience this very intense, essentially global trauma to add an extra layer of patience for our own emotional journey that allows us to extend that patience to other humans as well. How does the practice of yoga help with this? How does it not? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like yoga for the introduction of breath work. A lot of people kind of hold breathwork and meditation at an arm's length, I find. Initially, for me, that was my experience, and yoga was like the gateway drug that got me into it. Mm -hmm. So yoga can introduce the idea of breathwork, which is incredibly powerful when it comes to being able to give ourselves time to witness our emotions. A a quote I mentioned in the article from Viktor Frankl, incredible psychiatrist, Holocaust survivor, he said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And that resonates so deeply in the practice of yoga because yoga allows us to find space, whether it's space in our body. Like we literally have more space in our body when we're done stretching and we have more space in our lungs and more space in our minds after we've moved and breathed. And so when we learn to cultivate that space, it gives us more time, more space to witness the reaction and then choose our response. So with breath work, We can feel the feeling, breathe through it, let it move through us, and then choose our reaction. Right. You're not speaking philosophically now. You're speaking literally, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. It's the practicality of it. You know, it's like one thing to say, be agile with yourself. Like, what does that even mean? Right. It's that idea of putting it into practice in the everyday, which I really appreciate. So can you give us an example of a breath exercise that you might use to help with this? I'm going to start super simple. The first one is take three deep breaths. (laughs) (laughs) It's so stupidly simple. That's why I love it. Just take three deep breaths and watch how it just completely changes your physiology. Everything slows down. 
your fight or flight response slows down, your nervous system calms down. So that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Easy to remember, easy to do. In through the nose, out through the mouth also tends to be helpful. But also, you know, if you have a stuffy nose, just breathe through your mouth. <laughs> and another one is equal breaths. So you're inhaling for four counts and you're exhaling for four counts. Doing that several times. And then you might lengthen the count. So you start inhaling for five, exhaling for five, and so on. You might go to six seven, just lengthening the breath, prolonging it, and finding a nice equal breath that tends to bring a sense of balance and equilibrium into the body. And the one mentioned in the article, Sahita Kumbhaka, is, I find this one really powerful because it really steps into that idea of finding your pause, finding those in-between moments where we can just watch the reaction and let it go. And that is when you breathe in, and once you're completely full of breath, you hold the breath just for a moment. And then exhale all the way to the bottom of the breath. And then when you're empty, just a few trickles of breath left, hold where you're empty. And then inhale. So you just continue where you pause at the top and the bottom of the breath. And that one, when put into practice, really is quite powerful. It really does slow things down, lengthen things out. And it brings into practice the literal pause. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing all that. Will you come back again soon? Anytime. Fantastic. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss spring eating on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000-square-foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. My next guest, Shauna Linson, is a dietitian and nutritionist. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. She runs practical cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education, and her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. You can always find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalinson.com. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. How are you? Good. I owe you an apology. Last, Why is that? Well, last month, you graciously came on the show to talk about asparagus, and I gave you a hard time about, <laughs> about eating spring vegetables and spring produce and stuff like that. And I told you, I think I ranked it the lowest yes. of, all my, of all the seasons. And so let's talk about spring eating, and you can convince me why it's amazing. What do you think? So what are you looking forward to with this spring produce coming out then? Oh, What's nothing. Your favorite? Oh, nothing. I don't have a favorite. <laughs> I told you. I told you I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the fruit that comes out and later in the summer. Like I tolerate spring. You're going to have to, you got some lifting to do. You got to explain to me what's good. And 
to be honest with you, I don't blame you because the summer produce in Ontario, especially, yeah. is way more exciting than what we see in the spring. And I feel that we still see a lot of imports in the spring. And in Ontario, literally, there's a small list. And some things on the list are actually greenhouse grown. So you can get them all year round. So a few examples of those would be strawberries, peppers, lettuce. And you start seeing the actual non-greenhouse grown just popping up in July and August. So Uh, spring isn't the best in Ontario, I agree. Well, you know, uh, my garden starts producing in later spring, you know, so like there's some stuff that's there, like some of the herbs are usable now. And the mustard greens come up early so I can use those. But like I'm talking about my garden. That's not what people really want to talk about. They want to talk about what they can get at the store. At the store, yeah. yeah. So at the store, I would actually still advise people to look for the greenhouse grown in Ontario because then you're supporting local. Even if it's not in, you know, growing outside in the fields, we're still supporting local, which I'm always a big proponent of. And I know you are too. Yep. And the other thing that I find interesting when we talk about spring produce or summer produce, what grows together works together. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So something like asparagus and strawberries, that just, oh, there's so many things you can do with things that grow together in your garden Mm -hmm. culinary-wise. Sure. And like a few good examples of that, I have a recipe that I've been making for years where it's actually a quinoa recipe where you saute some leeks up and then you actually put some warm, you saute strawberries and asparagus and lemon juice and lemon zest and you make a warm salad with strawberries and asparagus and it's surprisingly delicious. Okay, so that would be a surprise to me. In Mm -hmm. a a million years, (laughs) I would not put strawberries and asparagus together. Whoever's listening, try it and get back to me and if it works great and if it doesn't work Shauna's off the show (laughs) and actually you can even throw in some spring green peas or some edamame for some protein like to make it a full meal peas and asparagus I'm totally on board strawberries and asparagus I I am a skeptic and you know what Jamie once they're warmed up a little yeah boom like it, it just and then you add the lemon zest I can't even tell you and the salt and pepper it's actually really balanced from like the sweet and the okay. yeah it just works all right i gotta trust your judgment i mean if you've been making it for years presumably somebody would have told you already if it doesn't work yeah exactly and i also find in the spring it's almost like our heads go from the comfort foods like the soups yeah. onto the salads so i like to experiment with salads like you know, I really enjoy, actually, I don't know if you do this, but chopping, like, medjool dates to yep. give it that sweetness into salads go really well with not the spring fruits, but the summer fruits. Like, once you start getting into, you know, the peaches, the nectarines, or those are even going into fall. Right. They go really well with what you think of kind of the acid, the sweet, the sour. Just really try to mix up your flavors. I put medjool dates into my oatmeal. So by the time, like I've, so I'm basically eating them every day. So I tend not to cook with them otherwise. It's for me, it's kind of reserved for that. Or if Naomi's making sort of a dessert and she wants to create a caramel flavor without all the caramel, dates are amazing for that. But if you're talking about adding fruits to salad, huge proponent, like pomegranate seeds, apples, pears, like all that really works. 
cutting dates into it. I have a question for you. Do you have oatmeal in the summer as well as the winter, like all year round? I do. You I do. do? Good. I do. Uh, but that, there's reasons for that. I'm, I'm one of those slippery slope guys. If, if I don't, if I'm not regimented, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think I've discussed many times on the show, I, I tend to put on weight. So if I don't watch myself, it'd be really easy for me to overdo it. And one of the things that I find I can easily control is breakfast. So that's you what bring I do. up a good point there. And I think that with breakfast, if you keep it stable, I also do that with oat bran because mm-hmm. we have high cholesterol that runs in my family. So I have to be very careful. So I do oat bran, ground flax. And then I do switch up the fruits. So do you also put strawberries and blueberries and raspberries into the oatmeal or do you have it plain? So I have a very, very complicated oatmeal recipe. I make it in batches and dates and maybe one dried fruit like a currant or a dried cherry go into the original. And then in the morning when I'm reconstituting it, they blow up. Yeah, but also uh, that's when I put the fresh fruit in. So I, I, I like the atufo mangoes, bananas, lots of berries. It's a very big production, but it's very healthy. But but I'm really proud of you that you do that every single day. And yeah. the other oh, thing, there's, there's one exception. Yeah. Naomi makes fantastic Sunday brunches, so that's pancakes and waffles. So one day a week is cheat week for breakfast. Yeah, I hate the word cheat week. I want to know why. Why? Because if you follow a healthy lifestyle, then there's no cheating. It's like you're just following your own lifestyle. True. So it's the word cheat is derogatory and we want to make it positive, right? Okay. So it's like you're doing kind of the 80-20 thing and there's no bad food. All food is good food. You just want to err on the side of doing less processed or ultra processed food. Oh, there's virtually no processed food in my house. That's my point. So um, there's no cheating. So let's talk about other foods that people Mm -hmm. might enjoy in spring now that we're talking about healthy foods. Yes. So when we talk about spring, we talk about planting our herbs and getting the gardens ready. And the hardier lettuce, like kale and Swiss chard, that takes longer to grow and, you know, to Mm -hmm. flourish. So I think that, you know, it's ready more in the July, August months. Yes. But in terms of moving into May and June, you see peas and cherries and beets and beans and that type of thing starting to grow. And as we always talk about, if if it's imported versus it's local, try to do local as much as you can. So when you go to the grocery store, just look around and see what's Canadian grown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like blueberries from BC, those start coming in in June and July. It, I get really excited, to be honest with you, just to see where everything's from. And I will even go onto the internet and look at the farms right? Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you do that, but that's a little secret of mine. I look at the pictures of the farms and it kind of brings me back to, you know, the 1950s. I think for those who aren't sure about vegetables in particular, if you go to uh, the right store, and I know you and I both shop at the same place, yeah, and you can see what, like a careful grocer will bring in something that is seasonal. And pretty much anything that is seasonal is going to taste better 
than if it's being shipped in from a country which is on the other side of the world. It, I like, totally agree. Yeah. So, so like if you're a purist, so maybe it's long beans, or or maybe later in the year it's it's like the the cranberry beans, or it's a particular orange that only comes out a certain time of year. Like if it's there and it's only there for a limited time, try it. That would be my recommendation. And, and, and pay attention. Yeah. yeah. And in spring, and you can ask the grocer, you know, like what's new, like what just came in and, and like what will be leaving us in a few weeks. He'll say, yeah, yeah, this is the last of it. We're not going to get it, you know, till next year. Well, then grab it. Yeah. Become friends with the people who are stocking the shelves. They know. A hundred percent. So, so in spring, again, you're, I agree with you. Like a lot of it is greenhouse here, but that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. There's still some seasonal stuff that comes out in May and June towards the beginning of the growing season. You're right. The more delicate greens are already out. There's yeah, no question. Like, exactly. like locally grown arugula and mustard greens and stuff like that. If you go to farmer's markets, you should be able to find it. Yeah. And if you also do like a local box, like if, if yeah. you do a box delivery, you will see, or you could even like look at what the box deliveries are doing from the farmers. And that can give you an idea mm-hmm. of what's new and exciting coming out. Okay. So you grab these exciting products and you've already talked about making salads. Last question is what other applications are your favorites for these spring produce? So the interesting thing is I'm not a big proponent of um, cold soups, like that type of thing. I think you mentioned once before that you really like a watermelon, kind of feta watermelon fresh mint salad. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I do like the basics, like once tomatoes come out, especially the heirloom tomatoes, Mm -hmm. I love a beautiful burrata heirloom tomato salad with a fresh pesto Mm -hmm. with all of the herbs like basil and parsley and even mint with a bit of garlic put into there and lemon juice. I love the simplicity of just using the produce plain, just like with a drizzle of balsamic. I like being a purist in that regard and not going too crazy with adding too many things. And I also like a bit of a crunch. So I will always add a pistachio or a roasted pine nut or a toasted almond onto my produce. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Will you come back next month? Absolutely. Fantastic. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Hi, I'm Jamie Buston. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show and podcast, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's a health and wellness publication distributed with the Globe and Mail to each and every home subscriber in Toronto west of Victoria Park. And it can be found free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA. You can learn more about Tonic Magazine at tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, check out the new look of Tonic Magazine. NutriPure is a Canadian company which formulates and manufactures natural health supplements over and above industry standards. Since 1989, it set itself apart by providing a line of products that not only reduce symptoms, but target the causes of specific health conditions. In addition to its offering of superior products, NutriPure has always been there for its clientele with around-the-clock customer service led by health professionals. Reach out to their experts on social media and ask about their cleansing programs. Flexobile and Hepatol for liver health, Intestfibe for colon, and Ingesti for kidney. NutriPure, your health is their commitment. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. 
Dr. Stacey Irvine is the co-founder of Totem Life Science. The philosophy and identity of Totem have been greatly influenced by Stacey's love of athletics and her passionate belief that everyone will benefit from a healthy, active lifestyle in their own unique way. Through her work as a chiropractor and strength and conditioning specialist, Dr. Irvine's clientele ranges from beginners just starting out on an exercise program to elite and professional athletes looking for advanced rehabilitation and training program strategies. She's made several appearances as fitness expert on CityLine, Canada AM, Global Television Network, City TV, WTN, and is frequently quoted as fitness expert in Chatteling, Glow Magazine, More Magazine, Zoomer, and the Toronto Star. She's a regular on the show. Welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about something that I, I think people don't really consider, and that is, should we be changing our expectations for fitness and workouts as we age or not. And we tend to lump, you know, we lump people in, you know, and we talk about certain generations like, you know, baby boomers and Gen X and millennials. But I want to break it down a little bit more today. You okay with that? I think that's a great idea. And I think you're right. I think we've grouped it a little bit too much together, but we need to really get a better understanding of what happens with the body as we age and how should we be dealing with that. Okay, so let's start with people in their 40s, okay? I'm not there anymore, but I know what it was like, the changes that I needed to make. So what's your approach when you're working with somebody in their 40s in terms of their expectations? It's a great question. As you and I think way back to our 40s, um, (laughs) I think you'll remember that 40s, generally, life is crazy. You are generally incredibly busy at work, and for most people, your family is still quite young. So to me, in your 40s, your exercise is all about being efficient. How do you squeeze the workouts in when your schedule is kind of completely nuts? And oftentimes, it is also out of your control because your kids are controlling your schedule. And then also sometimes, you know, at work, you're maybe not in a senior position where you can dictate what your schedule is. So you're really just working and trying to fit as much activity in as you possibly can. Now, our goals with all exercise, we have to look at our muscle mass, we have to look at our cardiovascular ability, and we have to look at our mobility, especially in these ages. So I would say for your 40s, again, we're kind of trying to just be very efficient and maintain the fitness that we had, you know, in our 20s and 30s. So I think, you know, to get really specific on it, I think you want to do maybe one to two hours of strength training a week, two to three hours of cardio, and about one hour of mobility, because mobility shouldn't be that big of a problem yet. So when you say mobility, are we talking about stretching and yoga and Pilates and that sort of thing? Yeah, I would group all those in there, stretching, Pilates, yoga, and it might just be stretching that you do outside of your regular activity. The other thing to keep in mind with your 40s is that hopefully you're still able to do some games like basketball or, you know, playing tennis with your friends or with your family. And I would encourage that during that decade, you really do try to keep up with that activity so you don't lose your ability to do it. You know, skiing, all those types of fun we do. Okay, let's move on to people in their 50s. What changes in terms of expectations or goals? So in your 50s, we are now seeing that our muscle mass is starting to generally atrophy a little bit. And we really want to be on top of that and not let that happen. The other thing that tends to happen in our 50s 
not really a part of our workout routine, but it is super important, is our sleep hygiene can tend to go, and we start to have trouble sleeping. So for your 50s, I think you really have to make sure that you stay on a good program for how you sleep. I think you want to up your weight training a little bit. So I think in your 50s, you want to have a really good focus on lifting weights and doing resistance training because it's super important to maintain your muscle mass at that age. So I would say two to three hours of weightlifting or resistance training a week. I would take the intensity on the games maybe down a little bit. So in your 50s is where we see a lot of the weekend warriors getting into injuries. We see a lot of, you know, the torn Achilles tendons and and those types of things. And we want to really maintain the health of our body. So you don't want to go out and do something, you know, maybe you haven't done for a while and get a really bad injury for it. I also think warm-ups and cool-downs are really an essential focus for someone with DFTs because we need to get our body. Sometimes it just takes a little bit longer. When you think about a 50-year-old's body, we have to take some good time to prepare it for the activity that we're going to do. Yeah, I've added in, I know you're a proponent of active warm-ups, right? Like trying mm-hmm. to mimic. So, for example, if you're going for a run, then maybe you do a slow jog or, you know, high steps, high knees, just to get the motion there, for example, right? Like, if, for example, when I'm rowing, I'll do a set of something at sort of a little bit slower, a little less strength involved, just to get my cardio up for the big pull. That's perfect. And and then I wasn't doing this before. I would be taking yoga classes throughout the week. But what I've done is after every workout now, I do about 10 to 15 minutes of stretching. And that seems to make a huge difference, particularly for my knees and hips. That is super important. So on the 50s, I think you want to increase your mobility work. So instead of, you know, we said one hour in 40s, I think we want to go one to two hours now of mobility. And another really crucial piece for your 50s is starting to be very aware of your posture because we want to really work on maintaining that upright posture. And that's the time of our life when we tend to kind of get that stooped forward posture happening and the head forward posture happening. So any type of activity that helps you, you know, some people sign up for ballet classes or the Pilates will do that, the yoga will do that as well, and the stretching. So we want to have a focus on mobility and posture a bit more in our 50s. Yeah, and if you're doing the weight work, make sure you're training your back as well Mm -hmm. because you can also stoop forward by overdoing it with the weights on the front and ignoring the back. You become unbalanced. Yes, and that's very common in that age range as well. And you touched upon something, but I think it really bears stressing. The weight training that you're doing is important for your 50s because you're losing muscle mass, but what it will do is help you with your balance and mobility as we get into our 60s and 70s and beyond. The more strength you come into those decades with, the better you will be and the the longer you'll be active. And that's really crucial. That is very crucial. You know, at those age groups, really gaining that muscle mass. And here's the really cool thing is that we can see in groups that really stay active throughout their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, they don't lose a lot of muscle mass. And how amazing is that, that just by doing a bit of extra work, you can really maintain it. Like it does actually work. We're not just saying this because, you know, it's a nice idea. It really does work. So let's talk about that cohort. What should be reasonable goals and expectations once you hit 60? 60s, it changes a little bit. I think the two pieces that come into play that are really important in the 60s are the balance, and mobility. 
And we're seeing such an increase in falls in people in their 60s and 70s. And I believe that during the decade of the 60s is where we start to really lose our ability to stay balanced. And I do think that that should become a key component of any type of exercise routine that you're doing. So maybe you want to incorporate something like Tai Chi or, you know, any activity that stresses your balance. Again, we could talk about dance or yoga, things like that, so that you're always training those muscles to keep you upright on your feet if something happens, if you step on a slippery surface or, you know, who knows what's going to cause a fall. But we really have to work hard to prevent the falls and on top of that, we want to make sure that we maintain our bone mass. So during those ages is when we see sometimes the bone mineral density can decrease, and we want to have a very strong effort in maintaining that. Now, general exercise will help with our bone mass, but we also have to make sure our nutrition is there. So we've got to make sure we've got vitamin D, we've got enough calcium so that our bones are staying strong. And then in addition to that, we want to keep up with the resistance training because we know that that has the biggest impact on our bone health. There was an interesting article that I read in the Global Mail recently regarding cardio health as we age. And what they did is they compared cohorts. Historically, people were comparing to different age groups. But what they did here is they actually compared people of similar athletic ability as they aged. And what they found was is if you keep your activity up, the downhill slope in your cardiac ability is you don't drop off as much as you get older if you maintain your cardio in your 50s and 60s so that you can still continue to do cardio heavier style workouts in your 70s and 80s where you wouldn't otherwise think that's the case. It's such important information to have and really with all these age groups, Maintenance is the name in the game because maintenance is so much easier than trying to build it back up after you already lost it. And, you yeah. know, when we talk about a fall or we talk about some of these more serious injuries that could happen because we're kind of overdoing it, you don't realize that when you have that injury or when you have that fall, that's when you see things go downhill really fast. Yeah. And that's why we want to work very hard on maintaining and preventing injury because, you know, you and I have both suffered through many different types of injuries. Yep. You understand what a setback that is. And, you know, it's not always possible to avoid it. But look, if you stay in good shape and if you keep doing your activities that you love, that goes a long way. And, you know, I think for the 60s, too, the important piece is sometimes we have a bit more free time. So I love the outdoors, hiking, golfing, things that you would do with your friends because now you get to combine your social life with your active life. And I think that that will encourage you to always keep doing it, which is really what we want everyone to do. Right. Because as we get older, it's the mental health aspects and the sociability that will actually determine the length of our lives. Like, yes, you want to be physically fit, but you also want to be mentally fit. And it's all tied together. Your ability to get around absolutely impacts on your mental health as you get older. It definitely does. And they're both parts, you know, you can't really have one without the other. So we, we have to pay attention to both. It's such an important point. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Will you come back next month? I can't wait. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Ian Clark, Jelena De Silva, Shauna Lindzen, and Dr. Stacey Irvine. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. 
To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. The May-June issue will be available soon, free on racks, at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to every home subscriber in Toronto west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Next week on the show, we'll discuss immunity, how to give your overworked adrenal glands a break, and non-meat barbecuing. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.